from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. At GEICO, you have a choice of ways you can save on car insurance. Call 1-800-947-AUTO. Go online at GEICO.com or stop by the GEICO office nearest you. So, news from the Associated Press. And I'm I'm still trying to process this, Dennis Cox. Okay. The referee who made arguably the biggest mistake in the history of the World Cup. Yeah. His name is Ali bin Nasir. He's Tunisian. He okay. worked the infamous game between England and Argentina in the 1986 World Cup. I believe it was the knockout round, first round, the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Argentina goes on to win the World Cup. Diego Maradona is celebrated. He, he's one of the you know all-time figures in, in World Cup soccer. But the game-winning goal that he scored against England was clearly a handball. It was clearly off that he one that he punched in off of his fist. And it's even called the hand of God. The yeah. hand of God goal. This happened in the 86 World Cup. Nasir, the referee from this game, kept the Adidas game ball. Smart. And, is, and is now auctioning the ball. He's expected, according to the Associated Press, to get between $2.7 and $3.3 million. Hey, good for him. When the ball goes up for sale on November 16th, which is four days before the World Cup, this year's World Cup starts in Qatar. Other memorabilia associated with that game, Maradona's shirt worn in that game was sold in May for $9.3 million. You think people in this country are obsessed with memorabilia. This has to be part of some plot to burn all this stuff. Uh, Potentially. Right? But hey, if he's going to make money off it, then by all means, go for it. This has now, to- I'm wondering, can you all use this with your candles? That's, Maybe what, that's that what I'm saying. This yeah. has to be some obsessed England fan because England's curse goes back... They have a head start on NC State. Oh, by far. They haven't won anything since the World Cup in whatever year, 60 or 66. I can never remember. I think it was 66. (laughs) I think it was 66. But it's like somebody has to be out there spending all this money on the the Maradona jersey Mm -hmm. and on the now this game ball. From the, the hand of God, right, everyone in town chip in five. Right, everybody three pounds from everybody. So they're gonna they're gonna burn it. Unbelievable! I, I can't believe this official. I cannot believe this referee. You make one of the biggest blunders in World Cup history, and now you're about to make three mil off it. Well, I mean, to his credit, there was no VAR back then, so <sighs> mistakes happen. But well, my... it's also a thing with soccer. You only have one official for twenty. Two people. That's fair. That's fair. Next rant. Uh, rant. I'm sorry. Excuse me? I'm sorry. What was that? Cox. Who? I love you. One of the four, (laughs) all of the four, or half of the four. Yeah, see, I just made a mistake. Mine's forgivable. Yeah, it's fine. Daniel Snyder. My gosh. What is going on? Big news today. The, The Commanders, the Washington team that he owns, they're taking on the Chicago Bears in Thursday Night Football. Hopefully this game will be injury-free, please. But that's not what anyone's talking about. Not the one in four commanders and not the two and three Bears. No. We're talking about Daniel Snyder in a report from ESPN that he now says he has dirt 
on not only Roger Goodell, but the other owners in the NFL. This is Seth Wickersham, who helped write the story for ESPN. Don Van Natta and Tisha Thompson and I decided to try to answer a question that I think a lot of fans have wondered, and that's how has Dan Snyder survived? And our reporting showed a lot of interesting things, including what you alluded to earlier, that he has dirt on NFL owners. He has told people that he's used private investigators on them and that some of that stuff could blow up the league. That's a quote that he told somebody. He said to a confidant, they can't F with me. And now he has denied saying those things to us. But again, we have firsthand people who have heard him say that. And, you know, I think that that's not landing very well at 345 Park Avenue and with his fellow owners. That's kind of one thing to go after the other owners, right? It's entirely another to, to take a run at Roger Goodell. Is this yeah. in his best interest? I don't know. If he's got enough dirt, then sure. I mean, if you feel like you're invincible, then I guess why not? I mean, there, clearly there are people around the league who are, do not like him or maybe want him gone. Right. But if he knows where all the skeletons in the closets are and you know where the bodies are buried, whatever – you know, whatever phrase you want to use, then yeah, absolutely. The premise of the article and the investigation is basically it goes back to the Clippers and the NBA, Donald Sterling getting pushed out yeah. by Adam Silver, NBA commissioner. And, and so it's like, well, wait a second. Hasn't what Daniel Snyder's done with a, a culture of sexual harassment and even worse, mm -hmm. ha hasn't that been worse than what, you know, what was going on with Donald Sterling and the Clippers, or at least on that level where Roger Goodell should be putting himself in a situation where he asserts his authority and, and essentially forces Daniel Snyder to, to, to sell the team. Now, we saw this with Jerry Richardson. Your air quotes now, punishment is to sell your investment for two to three times for what you invested in, mm -hmm. right? So you're not really losing here. Of course, Snyder has tried to get around all of the issues that he's had with the NFL by claiming that his wife is the one now that actually owns the team. Yes, I mean, she's in charge of the day-to-day. -day. This naked subterfuge that is fooling no one should be grounds alone for running him out of the league. But we'll see how this plays out because I don't think you want to bite off more than you can chew with Goodell. I'm not a big Goodell fan, but you know he's got stacks on stacks. And <laughs> you want to come to that gunfight, you better bring a gun and not a knife. Well, remember, Goodell works for the owners. Sure. That's the thing. So if you're going after Goodell, you are also going at the owners to an extent. We will see how that plays out. How, you, normally on the Thursday night game, Dennis, you pick the better coach and the better quarterback. So tonight we've got Justin Fields and the Eberflus against Ron Rivera and the quarterback he hates, his own quarterback, <laughs> Carson Wentz. <laughs> Which way are you going? Because Vegas says this is basically a pick. I'm about to say it's a pick em game. It, who's the home team? The Bears are the home team. But give me the Bears then. All right. I, I'm FedEx Field stinks. I kind of want to agree with you, but I do wonder if Wentz doesn't have one of those. All right, I'm going to take this one personal. Kind of nice. Yeah, you should take a lot of things he personal then. Definitely take it personal. All right, what's next? Speaking of taking things personal, NC State goes to Syracuse on Saturday. And Dave Doran has said that quarterback Devin Leary is has a rehabable injury. He could be out one week. He could be out six. He's day-to-day. -day. Well, it looks like Devin Leary is definitely not playing on Saturday. And the question is, will we see Devin Leary again this season? The and, and listen, there are no injury reports in college football. 
And the, the standard practice for Dave Dorn at NC State has been if a player is out for the year, they will tell you when mm -hmm. a player is out for the year. Doran provided the update on Monday that he did. I, yeah, is he trying to, like, trick Syracuse? Are you really tricking them by, you know, having a guy who got hit in the Florida State game, he got sacked while he was throwing the ball, his right shoulder kind of gets pinned up on him and then under him. So takes a, takes a hard hit initially, then gets landed on. The way he got up, the way he finished the game with his arm in a sling, you're going, that didn't look good. Yeah. It could lead to any number of different possibilities here. We know he didn't break a bone. That's great. That's great news. No broken collarbone. That's you, There's no way around. You can't play with a broken collarbone, period. No. So that that's good news. No broken shoulder. That's good news. No no injury in the neck. That's good news. But now you got to start to wonder different you got the AC joint. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, you do have the neck. Can there be a strain there? The pectoral muscle. Yeah. Is there any kind of muscle damage? That's where you start wondering, okay, now, Devin Leary means a lot to NC State. But Devin Leary also has a future in the NFL. Yeah. So you have to weigh the checks and balances there. Devin Leary's a tough kid. If, mm -hmm. he, if he could be out there, he's going to want to be out there. And if you're NC State, you want him out there. But you also have to weigh and consider – what does it mean for his future? I think what we know about Dave Doran and the way that he treats his players, you know he's going to have his best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Dave's playing games with us. I don't think Devin is out for the year. I think they would say that. I do. But I also think he's being honest when he says it's a rehabable injury and it's one that if he makes a great recovery and they know he'll be healthy enough to play, they'll play him. But they're not going to risk his NFL future because every year – during the NFL draft, one of the things that NC State has been most proud of under Dave Dorn is the players that they develop and put into the pros. And as much as it stinks that you might not see Devin Leary for the rest of the season, it's more important that he is able to you know, continue his own career. So that's a long way of me saying we're almost certainly not going to see Devin Leary on Saturday. Then they have the week off. Then they get Virginia Tech here on a Thursday night. Yeah. There's some time there, but you think about it. Wake Forest gets here November 5th. That's about a month. So, like Dave said on Monday, you're just going to have to see how the rehab goes, how he, you know, day by day, how he goes. I would think if you could circle November 5th and see him back then, if it's safe, you do it. If not, you, you really do have to keep the player's best interest at heart. Now, without Devin Leary, NC State, we saw Jack Chambers, the grad transfer from Charleston Southern. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, Chambers was the conference player of the year last year at Charleston Southern. Okay? He's a good player. Now, is he a great passer? Is he Devin Leary level passer? No. He's a different type of quarterback. He's a mobile quarterback. And what we saw in the Florida State game, he was able to run the ball, keep the chains moving. You know, he's a different type of quarterback. I think what we've seen from Tim Beck in the past, particularly the 2020 season, the last time Devin Leary got hurt, he was more creative with Bailey Hockman. So you'll see that. I'm also interested to see freshman MJ Morris. He's considered the future at the position. He's considered the future quarterback for NC State. If he's ready, I suspect you'll see a package with MJ Morris on Saturday. This game on Saturday got even more intriguing. It's already a top 20 matchup yeah. as is, but it got even more intriguing just because we don't know what the offense is going to look like, who's going to start, or how, who else is going to play. It, this Saturday is a, a big one as well because I said this to Chris Lee on Culture State, is that if, if NC State finishes the season 11-1, there's no reason why they can't make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Sure. Maybe That's, even 10 and 2. Yeah, yeah, even at 10 and 2, they could still potentially make it. But because uh, winning this game, winning against Wake Forest would be quality wins for them. 
we'll we'll definitely find out on Saturday. It, I think it's going to be a good game, mm-hmm. low scoring game. Yeah. So interested to see how that goes. And and honestly, you know, uh, you've done a lot on social media with Devin Leary. You had a chance to meet him at the kickoff. Real good kid. Listen, he's a good guy. And and honestly, these are the times where you have to root for the player, and you have to root for his best interest too. So as as much as everyone wants to see him back. You want to make sure he takes his time and is, is completely healthy before he comes back. Next up. Number two. One quarterback who's completely healthy and is just absolutely tearing up the ACC. Quite frankly, he's having the season that many NC State fans had hoped their quarterback would have. Yeah. That's Drake May, North Carolina quarterback. 21 touchdowns. He's good. Three interceptions. Has been a gutsy runner. Has been a daring runner at times this year. And North Carolina 5-1. and one. 2-0 in the league. They're really in the driver's seat in the Coastal Division side. The other surprise, though, has been Duke. The Blue Devils, after the last few years under David Cutcliffe, they haven't been winning games. They certainly haven't been winning games in the conference. Now here they are, 4-2. and two. They have a chance. This is at home. This is a primetime matchup. ACC Network, 8 o'clock. Alex should be over there in Durham. And this is one of those chances for Mike Elko to show, hey, Carolina's, that's your rival. This is one of those tough loss last week to Georgia Tech, but you get a shot, you get a shot at your rival this week. I I would expect to see Duke Super Bowl on Saturday. Now, is Duke good enough to trade paint, paint with Carolina? I'm not sure. That's the big question to me, Dennis, because Carolina's offense has been really, really, really good under Drake Bay. And as much as the the secondary gave up passing yardage last week to Miami, you can give up yardage. You can bend, but you can't break. I thought Carolina's defense lived up to that on Saturday with a big win down at Miami, which really put him in the driver's seat in the coastal side. If you would have said before the season started that Duke-Carolina, this game would have stakes for both teams at the beginning of the season, people would have laughed at you. Like, Okay, what's this guy talking about? I'm I'm happy the fact that this game does have weight to it for both teams. If if Duke gets this one over UNC – they got the old Coastal Chaos. They have that inside right. track to a Coastal yeah. Division t- title, possibly. And then UNC, already with the win over Miami, get the win over Duke. That's argue a top three team in the division Duke is right now. So, yeah, it's a big win or a big game for both teams, which is exciting to see. Duke, 0-8 last year, 1-17 the last two years in league play. So they're 1-1 already under Mike Elko. This is one of those games you get at home and, and you, you pour it out. This is the chance to pour it out. This is the chance to show the progress that you could make. Mike Elko has the has the program off to a great start, so we'll see how he does. But the, but that offense at Carolina has really just been pouring it on. Great matchup. I think you're right. It's better in the triangle when all the teams are interesting. You throw Wake Forest in there, you get that big four. It's always better. And we actually have a true round robin this year, don't we? Or no, State and Duke don't play. But listen, the more these games we get, the better. Next up, man. Man, I did it again. The number one like story of the day. We're number one. We're number one. I feel like I was forgiven for one, but two. Yeah, I know. It's the just same segment too. But it's. I think it's this. This. It's the what's trending that gets me. I, I'm going to need you to forgive me. I'll think about. Next it. up, Cox is Carolina Hurricanes. Start the season one and zero. Hey, there's a. They're the, they're the champs now. Raise the banner. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready to do it, and I'll tell you why. Next. It's the OG. I'm Joe Giglio. Joe, this is out today. Dennis Cox is the producer. 
As long as I can get through this, what's trending, we'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. The Canes pick up a win in their opener last night. Four to one. Let me give you a stat real quick here, Cox. Last three Stanley Cup champions won their opener. It's a wrap. That's it. Eight of the last ten won their opener. Well, Caps aren't winning it this year. Yep. So you have to Done. win your opener to get there. Look, uh, the hockey season's a marathon. We, we know this. Yeah. We know this from last year. They started 9-0, and won their first nine games last year. And I, I thought maybe they peaked early last year. Then you had some injuries down the stretch. You get those injuries, including the goalie, Freddie Anderson. I don't know about you, Cox. One of the things I want – there were a couple of things I wanted to see last night. I feel like we kind of glossed over Freddie Anderson not playing in the playoffs last year because of the way that the Canes goalie system had worked. Yeah. Because, quite frankly, I think the Canes have the best defense in the NHL. And, yeah, they can pick up for a goalie let down here and there. But we we really never addressed it with any kind of depth because Rod Brendamore basically wouldn't allow it. And that is they didn't have their number one goalie at yeah. all in the playoffs. And Ronson played well, but even even he got right. hurt. Yeah, he he was he was fine. And again, the defense is the strength. But when they made all the moves that they did in the previous offseason, the primary moves were in in net. Mm-hmm. Remember, Alex Ndelkovich was like a feel good story. The rookie goalie that they groomed and had gotten ready and had won in the minors for them, and then they have a contract dispute or, or a disagreement. He ends up going to uh, Chicago, uh, Detroit. Ends yeah. up going to Detroit. Trade him away. And the Canes go out and get Freddie Anderson from the Maple Leafs. They go out and get Ante Ranta. And they end up having the best save percentage in the NHL between the two of them last year. Yeah. You get to the playoffs, Anderson doesn't play. Well, last night, you saw a little bit of what they missed because I thought Anderson was spectacular last was night. was great. The other piece that people have been looking for is Marty Natchez. Marty Natchez struggled last year in a contract year. And there were a lot of Canes fans like, yeah, just let him go. And, you know, if if someone, if another team had gone out and offered him a, a long-term deal, I think the Canes would have let him go. But after the way he played last year, there were no nobody wanted him for that number. Yeah, right? restricted free aging. Yeah, no one's going to sign him to a So deal. he comes back, signs a two-year deal with the Canes, and I think, I think the deal that he signed makes a lot of sense. And I also, look, when you have a talent like that, a skill like that, it doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't. And he's 23 years old. So he scores last night. He's, he has two assists, and it was like a dream start. For Marty Natchez and to see the Canes, you know, because they, they really, the guys they bumped up, you know, they went out and made moves this year. Brent Burns, the biggest name on the defense. Mm-hmm. On the offensive side, Max, Max Pacioretty is the guy they got from Las Vegas, who you're going to see in the second half of the season. Not healthy right now, though. I think the outdoor game is kind of his That's estimated the goal. time. But but really, who they're counting on is Natchez and Jesper Kokinyemi. Jesperi Kokinyemi. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of starts go, couldn't have asked for a better one for those guys. Well, Natchez showed flashes on plays that necessarily didn't show up on the stat sheet, which were most impressive. For example, there was a time it was a two-on-two, Columbus bringing the puck up the ice. On a back check in the defensive zone, Natchez comes and strips the puck away. You didn't see that last right. year. And on the play where he actually ends up scoring, he's pressuring in the offensive zone, doesn't take a penalty, and also causes the turnover, which eventually leads to him scoring. He wasn't doing those things last year. The question is, all right, you showed that you can do it for one game. Can you sustain it? That's always the question. Yeah, and I think the Canes did the right thing bringing him back. I think they put him in a position, too, where going to get some more ice time, going to play on some of those special teams, and I think you'll see his confidence just go up and up. It's the OG. I'm Joe Giglio. I'm looking for Christian. 
Is he is he is he got to get into the ring? No, this is Edge, man. Ah, oh, man, I screwed it up. I mean, I was his tag partner for a long time. I screwed it up. Yeah. Dennis Cox, the producer of this program, dropping a little wrestling entrance theme song. He lives in North Carolina now. Did you know that? Edge does. Yeah, he lives in Asheville. Nice, very nice. See, you learn something new every day on this program. Exactly. That's why we're here. Joey, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be out at the SAS Championship tomorrow. Prestonwood Country Club. Great deal for you guys tomorrow. Because, listen, we'll be there. Adam Gold will be there. The sports shop will be there. It's Food Truck Friday, and that's going to be a great way to conclude the first day of play. Attendees of all age gather and enjoy some of the area's best food trucks, plus live music, entertainment, and more. You Check out the SAS Championship to see reigning champ Lee Jansen, Ernie Els, Bernard Longer, Colin Montgomery, and DL3 Davis Love III. Passes can be purchased for $25 each. Passes are single-use, good for Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Visit the sasschampionship.com. That's sasschampionship.com. So come see us out there tomorrow. Big night at PNC Arena last night. Canes opened up the season with a 4-1 to win. But before that, the team was introduced. New players, you know, there's some new faces out there. One old face, Rod Brandemore, the coach, goes into his fifth year. And this is what it sounded like when Wade Minter on the PA at PNC Arena introduced the Canes coach. And the head coach of your Carolina Hurricanes, Rod That was before the game, before the 4-1 to win. Now, after the game, Brendan Moore was asked about how the crowd received him, and this is what he had to say. I wasn't expecting that, and, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. I'm like, what can I say? It's, this is the game that's to both the players, and, you know, coach just back there just doing his little thing. And But when you get that kind of ovation, it's uh, it was special, and thank you for bringing that up because it's uh, just bringing back a little emotion there because, you know, I just uh, – we got a great thing here, and I appreciate the people. The coach is back there doing his little thing. I think you're doing a little bit more than that. <laughs> Rod Brendamore being pretty humble there. But we yesterday, Tom Dunn and the Hurricanes owner joined us out of PNC Arena. And part of that interview, we I had said to him, I go, how much easier is your job that you have the right guy at coach? And the only it, to Dundon's credit, he promoted Rod Brendamore from the previous coaching staff. And he told us yesterday, I wanted to fire everyone. And think about how different the, the trajectory of the franchise is if Rod Brandemore's not their coach. So you, you might say, oh, it was obvious. Well, no. At the time, it wasn't. So it was a smart move by Tom, Dun Tom Dundon to promote Rod Brandemore, and it's obviously paid off for the Canes. Speaking of that conversation with Dundon, we were able to ask him about the Dennis... One of the brouhaha's, pun intended, mm -hmm. from the preseason was the price of Storm Brews, the R&D beer that is specific to the Canes. It's called Storm Brew. It's, it's a light lager. It's a beer-flavored beer. Yeah. You were able to buy Storm Brews in previous seasons for $5. That's right. Pretty good deal. Yeah. The 16-ounce tall boys? A tall boy, 5 bucks. The price went up this year to seven fifty. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm the guy who knows about beer. That's Joe Ovius's bag. Right. But he's been trying to track down 
R&D. He's been trying to track down the Canes. You know, sometimes you just got to go straight to the man himself. So here's an exchange we had with Tom Dunn about, hey, man, what's up with the storm brew pricing? Anytime someone we haven't met before sits down, I like to say to them, hey, can we give you a hard time? And you said. <laughs> say whatever you want. Yeah, okay, whatever. All right, so let's let's try two. First of all, are you going to put a parking deck out here? Are you, are you going to get every NC State man, fan mad at you or what? What do you mean a parking deck? Oh, the oh, development? Yeah. I sure hope so. I hope we're going to put a lot of them. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, the uh, I think we can do better with the flow of traffic and the parking and everything. I think if we engineer it and we're working with them very closely, I think it's going to be – I think people will be happy, not sad. Okay. All right. So the other thing, though. What, what are you personally responsible for the increase in the price of storm brew? We're I, trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I'm responsible for everything at okay. the end of the day. Um, yeah, you mean are you thanking me that you can buy a storm brew three dollars and fifty cents cheaper than a Budweiser? Well, well, it was five bucks. It was five. It was the perfect price. And I was Tom. kind it of was okay if you went to six. I was kind of okay with six. I think it's a lot of fifty percent, Tom. I think a lot of people felt guilty getting that quality product for five dollars. I bought more of them. That was the point. That's what I, yeah, that's one of my issues. What, that we were buying more of them? Well, I want people to buy them, but I, at some point, you can understand. Hold up, hold up. Are you <laughs> telling me that a professional franchise owner wants to make money on things? <laughs> and I want people to be responsible when uh, I make it. Okay. Ah, all right, all right. You have all to right. turn it around and make all it right. into something responsible. I mean... Making us feel like the bad guys, right? Yes, how now, dare, how dare. Now, do I believe Tom Dundon? Yes, in part, in part I do. Could they have, could he have bumped him up to $6? I think that would have been a nice compromise. Yeah, I think people would have been like, all right, six bucks. I don't think you were here, Dennis, when the Canes first moved here. Like parking, I think it began at like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh my God, because that was not something that we did here in a college area, no. right? It was 10 bucks each game. I was like, oh my gosh. So then it went up to like twelve, and it was like, "Oh my God, it's twelve. Then it was fifteen, and it was, "Oh my God, it's fifty. And I think it's it has held steady at twenty for a few I think years. It's at twenty bucks now. Okay. I mean, if you go to other events at PNC, they'll make charge you thirty bucks, if not more. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. There's inflation. But what I'm saying is I, I, I would be I would have been okay if this year it was six. Next year it was 750. Mm. Jump seemed a little bit dramatic to me. Yeah. Felt felt like maybe they could have been looking out for the fans maybe a little bit more. Speaking of looking out for the fans, I'm always looking out for NC State fans on Pack Therapy because Wolfpack, it ain't for soft people. That's why we have the Pack Therapy podcast with me and Mike Glennon. Listen for a new episode each Friday on WRALsportsfan.com, Apple, Spotify, the Googles, wherever you get your podcasts. Pack Therapy is brought to you by the Pack of Wolves NIL Collective. Empowering Wolfpack athletes, engaging Wolfpack fans. Recorded our new episode today. We get into Devin Leary's injury. We get into not only what Jack Chambers can do for the NC State offense, but what also freshman quarterback MJ Morris could potentially do for NC State's offense on Saturday as they take on Syracuse in the first home matchup of top 20 teams for Syracuse in 21 years. It's kind of hard to believe. Kind of hard to believe. But we'll see Dave Doran 7-2 and two in his tenure against the Orange. Uh, only his 2-0 and record against Pittsburgh is better than his 7-2 and two mark 
against the Orange.